I can't sing. Art hum? You know I'm going to start the episode with this, right? Welcome, Fright fans, to the horror podcast that takes a deep dive into the stories that inspire our favorite horror movies. Join our hosts, Amber Lex Antonio, as we gather for movie night and see for ourselves if what happened was true. What's what's wrong? Look like a nerd. Nothing. I'm just saying I look like one. I didn't say it was bad or good. I'm just saying what I look like. Goodness. Well, you'd rather be a nerd that surprises people? Like, what? You like comics? I couldn't tell by looking at you. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, oh. Th- that is why I do not wear my Doctor Who dress anymore because of all those weird people being like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I just wanted to wear it because it looked nice. Don't get me wrong. I like the show but I don't you know, really like you, instigating conversations. You know why they do that, right? Because they're lonely and they yeah, see someone. Because, they're, they're, because you're a girl. Please talk to me. They see someone. I like that thing too. Let me talk to it. You know what you do? It. You should go like this. <laughs> oh, thank you. And then with the ring right here. Thank you. I'm no, taken. she's talking about weird girls that come up to her. Oh, girls. Oh, can I mention the very first time that I had a... Uh, a confrontation with a fangirl um, is when I started getting into Inuyasha past my Danny Phantom stage, okay? This is talking to a person who only had crushes on cartoon character. Yeah, I know. Were you like 12? Uh, I was 12 then, but uh, <laughs> I think at this time period, I was maybe 13, 14 years mm-hmm. old or so. And I bought an Inuyasha beanie who had little ears and I had like an Inuyasha shirt, just walking around the mall, being stupid. And I hear this like girl screaming, "Oh my god, Inuyasha!" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I like Inuyasha too." And I'm like, it's not clicking in my head that she's talking to me. And I turn around and I see this white chick coming at me really fast. And I'm like, "Who is she? Like, like big, what is she doing?" Big fat monster rolling towards you, like what, <laughs> what she look like. Uh, I guess. Have you ever seen that meme of that crazy like stalker girlfriend, overly, overly attached girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. She kind of looked like her, so I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> and I just turned around to see this big eyed thing coming towards me, and she's like glomped me. She's like glomp. Did she yell glomp? Yes. She okay. Yeah. What's, she what's yelled glomp? glomp. You never heard glomp? No. It was a uh, like text speak thing back in the day when people would like role play in chat rooms yeah and they would be like i noms cookie and they literally write the word i nom cookie (laughs) and like pretend they're eating a cookie or like i'm gonna hug you i will glomp you and then they'll write like lex glomps ambi and then like they'll fucking type it in like quotations you can tell who's a depressed person by knowing this (laughs) (laughs) whatever (laughs) hater uh, <laughs> I, I don't get like an emo person the kind oh. of people that go on forums in the late 90s oh like someone who, who's named joker math whatever hater 
Uh, Keep it coming. Anyways, to finish that story, she uh, glomped me. Yeah, she glomped me. And then she grabbed my ear. She's like, can I touch your ears? I'm like, you're already touching me. Like, my ears aren't a part of me because it's a part of the beanie. Go ahead. She's like, oh, squish, squish, squish. I love any Yasha too, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, me too. She's like, okay, bye. I'm like, uh. So that that goes to show you cosplaying does not equal consent yeah that's not even cosplaying this is casual wear just saying and i cosplayed too and i don't know i hate when it's the opposite though like those guys that wear band shirts because they sell them at hot topic but they've never actually listened to them hot topic like there was a girl at school that always wore like metallica shirts and like van halen t-shirts and things like that because they're trendy no idea what those bands are. Oh, the only the only popular. She only wears them because they're popular. Because pop culture is now culture, like mainstream culture. Those things are trendy. Those things are cool. I don't know what they represent. It's sort of like when people quote Family Guy and not realize that Family Guy is quoting something. It's a quote of a quote. It's a quote of a quote. Quoteception. Well, I mean, this is how certain people learn different things. Yeah. They learn it from a different source, and historically. We learn stuff through different stories. Again, that's why I'm totally into the story. I want to know the history. I want to know where these things are coming from. Like when people make movie references without knowing what movie it's from. That irritates the crap out of me. I mean, you just sound like an angry old man now. Get my you, one. That's are showing thing. your age, Lex. Well, I'm a big enough nerd that I'm an angry old man and I haven't even reached that age yet. <laughs> Anyway, what were we talking about? Let's talk about Jaws. Let's talk about the true story first. July 1st, 1916, just off the coast of New Jersey, resort town of Beach Haven. This guy, Charles Vincent, was swimming with his dog when onlookers heard him screaming. At first, they thought he was calling for his dog because everybody saw him go in there with him. By the time they realized something was wrong, he was having his legs bitten off by a shark. The lifeguard, whose name was Alex Ott, managed to pull him out of the water. But according to him, the shark would not let go. In fact, the shark didn't let go until he felt its belly scraping onto the ground on the shore as he pulled him out of the water. The guy was only swimming in three and a half feet deep water. Wait, wait. The the shark was swimming in three... Three and a half feet of water? The guy was playing with his dog, meaning the water was less than four feet deep when he was attacked by this shark. How the hell did the shark went that in so shallow? Apparently sharks fish and hunt in the shallows. They do that to uh, corner their prey pretty much. You see, see, another reason why I'm never going to water. Yeah, well, (laughs) like, like they'll do that to seals or other things they're hunting. Like, you're literally swimming them into the wall if they can't leave the water, too. You know what I mean? Fuck that, no. Now, the closest I've ever been to a beach is just my feet, like ankles. But to to go, like, um, I don't know, like four, three and a half feet, that's around maybe my chest. That's too much. Afterwards, there was no real time to get him an ambulance or anything. So they tried to wrap him up or bandage him up as best they could. He ended up bleeding out on the manager's office of the hotel that was nearby. This was a resort, mind you. And he ended up bleeding out on the manager's desk while they were waiting for help. It's terrible. They didn't apply a tourniquet. They didn't have time. That's how fast this guy bled out. And it was that thing of, it's not like it was a giant shark. It looked like it bit him multiple times, which is awful. Nom, nom, nom. Do they know what kind of shark it was? I'm getting there. That's that's coming. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
after that, there were major sightings around New Jersey, around New York, but every single sighting was dismissed because, and this is the crazy part, scientists did not believe that sharks could kill people. What make them believe that? Well, Charles Van Sant was literally the first shark attack in American history. Like the first death attributed to sharks in American history, which is which is totally crazy by today's standards. But if you think about it this way, every story of someone being eaten by a shark back then was regarded as a tall tale. It was as silly as sea serpents or the Kraken. Sharks didn't eat people. There was no proof of that. So when this guy got eaten, everybody blamed it on other stuff. The coroner that actually found him and like labeled him dead, he very reluctantly put shark attack. But when he put that across the board, he was debated like, oh, that can't possibly be true. There was people that write that wrote into the newspapers. There were scientists and naturalists that were like, sharks can't kill people. They, they can't do that. I mean, that makes sense if it's like a first time situation of something. They're going to be like, no, 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 there's no way. So what was their reasoning? It was just because, oh, it's a fish and they don't eat us. So we don't eat other fish except humans. Nobody thought a shark could even do that. Oh, they- yeah. The same with like a thousand teeth. <laughs> totally cool. Not a predator in any way. At the time, scientists believed sharks to be very shy and afraid of humans. That's kind of true. The state fish commissioner of Pennsylvania went on record of saying that he was more than likely bitten in passing while the shark tried to attack his dog. Like They really did not want to believe that a shark would attack anybody. Yeah. The The attack, according to the media and scientists, were blamed on massive tunas. (laughs) (laughs) Or raging sea turtles. There was a letter written to one of the newspapers that was published where the guy blamed turtles because of how vicious they are. And they're like, more than likely, this was a sea turtle that the guy may have angered, maybe woke him up or startled him. It's impossible for it to have been a shark. I mean, look at the turtle. They're terrifying. Wait, is that is that is that true? Like turtles are more or like at the time they believe turtles were more vicious than sharks? Well, they're vicious, sure. They'll snap at you and they'll, like, hiss at you. Yeah, but take a chunk, like, 20-pound chunk out of you. How big is her mouth? Yeah, well, I've I seen turtles never, like, in per- the only in-person turtle I've ever seen is, like, a box turtle. Oh, the snapping turtles are pretty scary, but, I mean, not compared to a shark's mouth. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. You could bite me, turtle, but you, shark, stay away. I mean, I look at a turtle's face and I don't think death. Millionaire banker and adventurer Herman Ulrich offered a $500 reward for proof of a person being attacked by a shark. That's a lot of money back then. He also did this stunt where he climbed into a tank filled with sharks and sat in there for like 10, 15 minutes just to prove that they weren't dangerous. What the heck? Fuck that. Scientists use this as proof that sharks were not dangerous. Uh, like in one... a tank filled with piranhas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, piranhas they don't they don't attack unless you're like um splashing about. No. No, no. no. Piranhas get scared if you splash about. Yeah. Because they think that it's alive. They are scavengers. They eat like what's dead. Oh, so, uh, like what, what are those? Vultures. Yeah, vultures are scavengers, so are lobsters, and actually sharks are scavengers too. Frederick Lucas, director of the American Natural History Museum, questioned whether or not a shark could even be powerful enough to bite into a human. It, it, it is powerful. Look at those things. They're massive. Yeah. 
According to him, and like this is a quote here, the chances of being bitten by a shark are infinitely less than that of being struck by lightning, and there are no practical danger of a shark attack about our coasts. They were really skeptical about these things. Not only were they skeptical, they were downright denying it. There was all sorts of weird letters. I, t- I just mentioned the turtle thing. Yeah. There was also someone blaming Germany, because this was 1916, was during World War One. Some of the theories were that the sharks were trained by the Germans to attack civilians. <laughs> wow. like, lasers. It was it was a shark, but he was a trained spy shark. When a shark with a freaking laser beam yeah, on a his head. Yeah, with a laser beam. <laughs> oh boy. People are creative. Creative and funny. Sometimes dumb. Just five days later, on July 6th, Spring Lake, New Jersey, just 45 miles north of where the other guy got attacked, Charles Brodner... Swiss bell captain at the local hotel was swimming 130 yards from the shore. A woman who was later questioned said she thought that a canoe had flipped over and the guy needed help. Yeah. What they didn't know was it was the guy's blood just pulling in a big circle around him. Oh, shit. Just like in movies. It, It was so much blood that you could see it from the shore. He was 130 yards away. That's not pretty far away. Yeah, that's really far. Shit. By the time they managed to pull him to shore, they realized that his legs were just gone. Both legs completely ripped off. According to the New York Times article covering it, women were panic-stricken and fainted as Bruder's mutilated body was brought among the shore. Uh, Yeah, it was so brutal that guests of the hotel and his and the staff there managed to raise some money to take care of his mother in Switzerland. Oh, that's good of them. Since he wasn't around anymore to send her any money. That's sad, but at least she got compensated. A really GoFundMe. Yeah, like a GoFundMe GoFundMe for the victim. That's how you get your GoFundMe. Actually hurt someone. That's crazy, though. Like, There's so much blood, they thought it was a boat in the water. We're going to need a bigger boat. A big red canoe. It's blood. So at this point, they finally started to panic. By then, this became a, a national news story. Newspapers in California were reporting on this. This is in New Jersey, so that's across the whole country. It pretty much reached national news. Like, all over the world, people were checking out this insane story of a shark attack in New Jersey. The New York Times headline read, Shark Kills Bather Off of Jersey Beach. The panic was so severe that people stopped going to the beach at the time. They estimated that all the resorts in the area lost what is the equivalent to $6 million in today's money. Holy shit, that's a lot of money. They reported a loss in tourism and sunbathing declined by 75%, which is silly because you're sunbathing. You're not even (laughs) in the water. No, It's that rational fear. I mean... Could I mean, sharks climb on land? What if they could? <laughs> Let's get out of here. Well, if you didn't think it was scientifically possible for a shark to eat somebody, you're not going to question if it could climb on land at that point. What, what, what if it could fly? Well, I mean, the guy was only in three feet water. Yeah, so I'm surprised by that already. Maybe they could just wiggle on up and get your little feet. Oh, that's true, too. And they, some sharks do get beached. The point is, they finally started to take these shark attacks seriously. They put up nets, like wire nets around the beaches to try to keep large fish out. But still, people did not want to go swimming. The oceans were like terrifying at the time, which made the next attack all the more insane. On Montauk Creek, 
11 miles inland. The third attack happened. Sea Captain Thomas Cottrell actually saw a shark swimming up the canal. It was one of those saltwater, freshwater inlet kind of thing, like a reservoir. But when he tried to raise the alarm, nobody believed him. Because, like, what? That's not a thing. And, and plus, there was still a, a push against it actually being a shark. So no one took any shark attack seriously. It was still considered silly. There was a group of boys swimming just off of Wyckoff Dock, popular swimming hole where all the kids would meet up. One of them was named Lester Stitwell, age 11. Now, they had just gotten the day off of work because it was a really hot day. And their boss at the wicker basket factory kind of took pity on them, told them to take the day off, you know, go relax, hang out. So Lester and his friends went to the local swimming hole, you know, just to chill, relax. Like they even brought their dog. They had a little picnic. A few minutes into swimming, they saw what they thought was a big log come up. And before anyone knew it, the log clamped down on Stitwell and pulled him under. By then, everyone saw fins and knew exactly that it was the shark that they were all afraid of. So all of his friends scattered into town screaming about how Stitwell's in trouble, a shark got him. Nobody believed these kids. Again, at the time, no one believed in sharks. Plus, they're in a creek, like inland, like freshwater creek. Definitely not a shark. but. A lot of the townspeople that knew them knew that Stitwell suffered from seizures. So naturally, some of the adults assumed that, oh, he probably had another seizure. He was probably drowning, whatever. So they all ran. Big group of men ran to the water to go save him. One of the guys that ran to go save him was a guy of the name of Fisher. By this point, they could tell that Stitwell wasn't alive. He wasn't really moving. But just in case, Fisher dove in the water to retrieve his body or at the very least, try to get him some help. By the time he caught up to him, he realized that Stitwell had been bitten in the stomach and was bleeding. So he grabbed the kid's body, tried to get him to shore, and in the process, he ended up getting bitten himself in the leg. Ew. Shit. This time, though, the shark attack was in full view of all the townspeople that had ran over to help. More witnesses. So, more witnesses. There was no denying that this was definitely a shark that bit Fisher. He ended up bleeding out in the hospital just a few hours later. Again, by then, everyone saw the shark. There's no denying that it was definitely a shark this time. But to top it off, half an hour later, 12-year-old Joseph Dunn was swimming near the mouth of the creek when a shark bit onto his leg and tried to pull him under. Luckily, Joseph's brother and his friend was there, and they managed to grab him and yank him from the shark. They reported that they were basically playing tug-of-war with him. Is this Scary. like the same shark? This was on the same creek, so mm. it must have been the same shark. It probably knew food. Yeah, and what's crazy is it already eaten. It ate some of the dude, it ate some of the kid, and then this other kid on the way out of the creek. But luckily, he ended up being the only survivor of these shark attacks. So that's good. He's the only one that managed it, but right. he lost a leg in the process. At least he gets half off on all shoes. Do you pay half off if you only have one leg? No. There's <laughs> 10%. By then, there was a bounty on this shark. There's all sorts of people fishing, trying to catch different ones. Actually, one of the guys who caught the shark was the sea captain that spotted it swimming into the canal in the first place. He caught an eight-foot, like I think it was a tiger shark. Everybody wanted to be the first person to catch the Jersey man-eater, as they ended up calling him. 
eventually, and this is kind of silly, a New York taxidermist from Harlem and former Barnum and Bailey lion tamer caught a fish just a couple miles from Monta Creek, the actual canal, just a few miles away from there. He ended up catching a 7.8 shark that he claimed he had beaten to death with an oar. <laughs> right? Die shark. Yeah. Savage. He, yeah, he claimed to have beaten it to death with an oar after it came near his boat. Of course, being a taxidermist, he hollowed it out and supposedly he found over 10 pounds of human flesh in its belly. And then he had the shark stuffed and mounted, which he had on display. And then he was able to claim, yes, this is the Jersey Maneater. Everybody agreed, like, okay, finally. But the thing that's kind of funky is it was a dead great white, which... Scientists today debate whether or not that was actually the Jersey man-eater that he caught. For one, he didn't save the flesh, so there's no way to prove that it was human flesh in the shark's belly. Of course, he discarded it when he taxidermied the shark. Second, after the initial photo he took, no one was ever able to recover the shark to prove it. Like, no one knows what happened to it. It's just lost the time. So, for all we know... The Jersey man-eater is still out there. The point is, the claim that it was a great white shark is even debated today because scientists think more than likely it was a bull shark because great whites can't swim into fresh water. The Montauk Creek was a mixture area where there's fresh water and salt water. Bull sharks can and do like to swim in mixed waters like that. And they're also aggressive. And yeah, yeah, and bull sharks are known to be even more aggressive than great whites. So... To this day, there's a bit of debate on whether or not the guy actually caught the shark. And if he didn't, why would they suddenly stop attacking? Like, more than likely, somebody killed it without realizing it was that shark. But he just took the glory. Yeah, he just took the glory because he had the photo. But no one really knows what the Jersey Maneater, what kind of shark it was. They just know that undeniably, sharks can kill people. That's the main takeaway from this is that scientists were forced to admit that yes sharks can and will kill people it most likely was a bull shark because though they're the only sharks that can live in fresh water right i believe so i'm not entirely sure but i know that great whites certainly can't and if that was the shark he was claiming to be the man eater it very unlikely could have swam up and ate that still well kid Sorry. The cat's licking himself and he's getting louder. <laughs> I'm trying to stop him, but he just keeps licking. Meow. I'm sorry if you guys hear licking. Okay, that's not my cat. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's transition into the movie somehow. Jaws, the movie that came out in 1975. How many years ago was that? I, I'm, I'm kind that's of 45. 45? 45 years ago. Goodness. Um, it's a classic movie. It definitely set a bar to new fears for most people. The film was filmed on Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. <laughs> Massachusetts. I like that place. Have you been to Massachusetts? Nope. Nope. I just Never like been to the Boston. name of Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. I think the thing about Jaws that a lot of people forget is how much it kind of messed up the ocean like so people were so afraid of sharks that they hunted them to near extinction oh yeah 
That is true. I, I don't hate sharks because I don't want none of them dead because they're important and stuff, but I'd rather stay away from it in That's general. That's kind of sad. They didn't do anything. They ate people. <laughs> well, not like the whole population of sharks. The movie Jaws was so scary that it created an irrational fear of sharks across the board. Not even just great whites like in the movie. It's every shark is a danger now. Or every bathtub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People that are afraid of any water source after watching that movie. I don't know because sometimes in the back of my head, I just feel like if I took a shower, you know, I close my eyes, the so shampoo my eyes, I'm going to just feel like a fin. Dun, dun, dun. No. If you feel anything <laughs> with soap in your eyes in the shower, I'm pretty sure it's not a shark. But if you feel anything in there, get out of the shower. Get out of the shower. <laughs> Is this a fin? Uh, uh? <laughs> That's not a fin, That's sir. That's not a fin. I'm just happy Probably to see you. A spider. That's the thing with Jaws was they. It was the first summer blockbuster. Originally, people would spend outside in the summer. Summer wasn't a time for movies. Summer was where they put their movies that they didn't give a crap about. Pretty much what Jaws did was flip that on its head. Now we have the summer blockbuster because of Jaws. Before 75, it was the opposite. The movie that everyone saw, the movies that everyone wanted to go to, was during December, January. That's when the hits came out because that's when people had time to go to the movies. What Jaws effectively did was completely change how movies are marketed. The name Blockbuster became Blockbuster because they literally broke the block standing in line to go see this movie. Yeah, yeah. The, the word Blockbuster, if you didn't know, no, it comes from the news reports reporting on the Jaws line in Hollywood back in the day when it premiered. They literally cracked the pavement because of how many people were waiting in line in front of the theater. Yeah, that's a lot of people waiting in line just to watch Jaws and they actually break the concrete. It went around the block. Not only that, it also changed how they do the rebar on those sidewalks. But <laughs> besides that... It improved construction. It improved construction. Well, not yeah. really. But <laughs> yeah, that's where the term blockbuster comes from. It's from people literally busting the block to see this movie. It was the first big movie for Steven Spielberg. Yeah, but it wasn't like his first movie. It was his first big movie. Well, it was his first theatrical release. His first movie was Duel. Oh, that wasn't in theaters? No, Duel was a TV movie, if I remember correctly. That's the one where the guy's being like harassed by a truck on the yeah, freeway. The, uh, the faceless truck driver. Yeah, they never showed the truck driver. I do not. But they do use the sound effect of the truck blowing up in that movie as the sound of the shark screaming in the end of Jaws. Even though he lost his head. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Actually... Steven Spielberg wasn't even their first choice to direct the movie. The original director that they had lined up ended up getting fired because during the pitch meeting with the producers, he kept referring to the shark as a whale. Like, oh, yeah, and then the whale swims up and eats the, the swimmer. And, and the producers ended up firing him because they didn't want to work with a director who didn't know the difference between a whale and a shark. A lot of people didn't know this, but the shark's name was Bruce. Oh. I know that. I know that because so, of Finding Nemo. Uh, yeah, I was going to mention that. That's why they call it the Great White and Finding Nemo and Bruce. Hello. Yes, it's a Jaws reference. Um, That's Bruce. cool. Uh, Steven Spielberg reportedly named him after his lawyer. That's oh, classic. <laughs> well, lawyers are sharks. Yeah. There was a time right before they were filming where 
Steven Spielberg went to the shop to check on the shark that they were building for the effects, right? Right. He was with him was uh his friends Martin Scorsese, George Lucas, and uh, the writer of Conan, uh, John Millis. Cool. While they were playing with the shark, they convinced George Lucas to stick his head in. And just, why? Yeah, because they were being dumb. They pressed the button and made the shark's mouth clomp down on Lucas's head. He was reportedly stuck for a long time. When they finally managed to pry him free, they ran from the they ran from the effects shop because they were afraid they had broken something <laughs> in the puppet. Oh my gosh! He broke the shark. You know what's funny about Jaws? If you watch it again, is they actually mention the New Jersey man eater in the movie. I I didn't fe- notice it at first until you mentioned. Yes, they uh-huh. mention an incident in New Jersey trying to say, yes, sharks have been known to be territorial and dangerous. And they actually mention the true story that inspired the movie itself. Cool. That's a cool Easter egg. There was an accident during filming that caused the boat to sink. Steven Spielberg yelled over the bullhorn to save the actors, but one of the sound engineers reportedly screamed, fuck the actors, save the sound department. During the accident... The film camera was submerged, and they were actually afraid that they had ruined all the footage. Yeah, they're lucky they didn't. They ended up <laughs> rushing it to New York to get it developed as quickly as possible, and they were luckily able <laughs> to save the footage. Wait, is it Amityville? No, it is Amityville, right? It's Amityville. Yeah. No, it's Amity Island. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> the fact that our last episode was Amityville Horror, and this one is Amity Island, is yeah. was definitely not on purpose. But the actor who plays the mayor in this movie is that same priest that's yelling at the other priest for wanting to help them in Amityville Horror. Oh that proves it as the Amityville Cinematic Universe. <laughs> well, it also proves that that actor got typecast as the skeptic a-hole who wants to just keep going and ignore problems. Blah, 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 not real, blah, blah, blah. So... That opening scene is so freaky to me. Like, I, I think that's the scariest scene of the movie. Really? I, I disagree. Well, no. To me, that's the scariest scene because you don't see what's happening under the waves. You just see her reaction. And whatever it is, she's in, first she's in pain, then she's in shock, and then she's just in utter terror. She's whipped back and forth. It seems kind of like a exorcist in a way. Yeah. She's just writhing and screaming, yeah. and you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like Linda Blair. Like a possession possessed. of some sort. Like, oh, where is she going? You know what's interesting about that scene is originally it was supposed to be a sunrise, not a sunset. I thought, like, the party is almost over and they're going to swim in the sunrise. It's supposed to be a sunset okay. because when they had it the other way around, it was like a censoring issue, so they made it darker on purpose. They they used day for night for that scene. Censorship is because she was like too naked? Oh no, you're right. She was fully naked. Uh, yeah, I believe so. It had something to do with the nudity, I think. And uh day for night, for those who don't know, is basically when you film at daytime and then you just put like a filter over it and really? then make it look dark. Yeah, like tint it so yeah. it seems like it's a night shot instead. Since the scene takes place at twilight, either sunrise, sunset, you can't really tell. But I believe they had to darken it because of the nudity. I I think it works being in dark because that's always 
people are scared of the dark and now the ocean. Um, according to some reports, that scene where the girl's being whipped back and forth, uh, a lot of people like to say she was injured during that scene. The lady since debunked that, saying she was perfectly comfortable. She doesn't know how that rumor that she got injured filming that scene started, but she was never hurt. They were all safe when they filmed that. It was a popular urban legend about that scene in Jaws that when they filmed it, the lady broke her hip while they were whipping her back and forth. Because oh. what they did was they attached ropes to her. Mm -hmm. They had the gu different guys on different ends of the shore, and they were literally pulling her back and forth to film that scene. It looked really good and gruesome because it worked. After that scene, when the girls killed on the beach, they find her body. Really awful scene where they introduce Sheriff Brody. Well, the scene isn't awful. It's just the dead body is awful. Gruesome. It's covered in crabs and stuff. The one thing that I noticed immediately, which I thought was kind of odd, was that he had two telephones. Yeah, you didn't notice? Well, it was weird because they managed to frame one phone in the foreground. And they're like, oh, phone call for you. And he picks up another phone that's kind of off camera. Yeah. So it looks like he walks up to a phone and then picks up a different <laughs> phone. And I was like really trying to pay attention to take notes for this. And I was just like, wait, what just happened? He worked yeah. so hard. He has two phones. He's got yeah, two he, phones. Yeah, he has two phones, one for work and one for home. Well, yeah, that makes sense now. But when I was just watching, I was like, wait, what the yeah. hell just it happened was, here? It was bad framing. The thing that I noticed, I, I love how they introduced Sheriff Brody in that scene. Yeah. Because I think everything in this movie is awesome because it kind of leads into itself. I don't know if it's foreshadowing, but the way they introduce Sheriff Brody is his son comes in for breakfast and he's like, Mom, look, I cut myself. Yeah. And Brody's like, I told you those swings are dangerous. You didn't give me a time to fix it. I told you to not play on them. And the mom's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And the, the mom's like going to bandage him up. And then as he's walking out of the house... It shows the mom and the kids playing on the swings. I think it's really telling that in the beginning of the movie, his kid gets injured and he's actually bleeding. And he's like, oh, I got bit by a vampire. And then they immediately ignore him and start playing on the swings. <laughs> like, is that foreshadowing or what? Like, he's already bleeding and this family's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. We're just going to go play. It's just a swing set. Uh and yeah. they get it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he, foreshadowing. He just walks away like, ah, they're ignoring me. And like, that happens to, to him throughout the rest of the movie. <laughs> After they find the girl's body, she's covered in crabs, completely messed up, dirty looking, whatever. Apparently during that scene when they find her body, Steven Spielberg thought the fake arm looked too fake. <laughs> so they ended up just burying an actress. <laughs> in sand and crabs and shit so that's a real lady under all that with all like the the covered her like Moss the seaweed and stuff and, on yeah. her it's funny yes why aren't you paycheck let's bury you in this hole i think it's also funny that when they seize the body he immediately goes okay it was a shark attack obviously so he goes to the office and he's like where do we keep our shark attack signs and the secretary has no idea what he's talking about and he actually has to go walk to the damn general store and make the signs himself because the city was <laughs> never prepared for a shark attack even though they're an island with like a beach resort they don't own shark attack signs like he has to make them himself that's weird i just i would think they have some just in case well i mean if they never had a problem why would they while he's preparing to make his signs the mayor's like What's going on? Is there an incident? And the deputies are like, oh, yeah, there's a shark attack. Might have to close some of the beaches. And the mayor freaks out and sort of his whole, what, like, posse 
of his like, goons. Let's just call him his goons. <laughs> his goons from the city, like the the barber shop owner, like the owner of the general store. They all come out to follow the sheriff. Like he can't close the beaches. They ended up following him onto the ferry. Oh, what a cool a looking shot! Oh yeah, that scene is a good example of what's called the Spielberg Wonder. A wonder is where you do as many things in a scene in one shot as possible. What makes Spielberg's wonders unique is he tends to have multiple compositions in one shot. Unlike other movies where they do a long take, you know, where the camera's just kind of doing things, Spielberg likes to block out his scenes like it's a play and have the actors go in, okay, now it's a close-up, so the actors walk closer to the camera. Or like, now it's a medium shot, so they walk a little bit away. That scene on the ferry is a perfect example. Yeah. The mayor's pretty much just warning him to not warn people. Yeah. Yeah, stay quiet about this. <laughs> like, he's telling him to cover it up. I need money. Well, pretty much. Like, oh, do you realize that we get all of our revenue for the city during the summer? Blah, 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 blah. Like, that's his excuse for keeping the beaches open, even though there was a shark attack. Corruption in City Hall. Yeah. the Need that money. Yeah, the local coroner's Bye. like... I'll say it was a boating accident. He goes, a boating accident? Did you see her body? And the guy's like, I could vouch for that. I'm the I'm the local coroner. I could say that. I believe him. Brody's just like, um, okay, <laughs> I guess. But they're they're stating that they're going to lie and be corrupt in front of the police officer. You say shark. You got to panic on the 4th of July is what he says. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to talk too much about the book because I talked a lot about the Amityville book in the last podcast, but... In the Jaws book, every character is incredibly hateable. Like, you cannot like a single character in that book. You almost root for... you. Actually, you definitely root for the shark when reading the book. Because everyone <laughs> is terrible. Go get him, shark. You could do it. Well, I kind of like the marine bio- biologist. Oh, he's awful in the book. What makes him awful in the book? Well, other than being a drunk, he also has an affair with Brody's wife. Wait, wait. Um, the cop's wife? Yes, he has an affair with Brody's wife. Why? Why not? Because they're horrible people. They're horrible people. <laughs> Everyone in the book is a horrible person. Actually, when they were making the movie, they told Spielberg to read the book. Yeah. And he said he wasn't sure if he could even do the movie because every character was so dislikable. So there like, was no hero. Like, like, how do I make a movie about characters I want to die? So, <laughs> obviously, he left out a lot of things to make the characters more relatable and more likable. Well, that's good, because I like the marine biologist. What was his name? Hooper? You like the book, Marine Biologist? No, 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 no. The uh, movie. Oh, yeah. The reason I brought it up, in the book, the mayor has a very legit reason for keeping the beaches open. In the book, you find out that he actually owes the mob money. Oh, there's mafia in the book now? Yeah, well, just... In regards to the mayor, like he owes them money, and oh. if he closes the beaches, he can't pay them back, and they're gonna like so. There's real stakes for the mayor in gotcha. the book to keep the beaches open, whereas in the movie, he's more comes across as just pompous, like no, it's not a big deal, greedy. We need the money, whatever. Like it, it's it's not really a thing. Right after that would be the beach scene, right? Yeah, the beach scene where. Brody is clearly freaked out and nobody else but him knows about the shark. He's the only one besides the mayor and his cronies that know that there's a shark in the water. So everybody's having fun. Everybody's like doing stuff. But Brody's like on edge. This is the bad hat Harry scene. Brody said something and then the old guy took offense and he just left. Well, he says that's some bad hat, Harry. 
And the guy leaves like, he wasn't even listening. Maybe that's it. I think that's what it was. Like the guy was talking to Brody in the scene and Brody's just like on the lookout for the shark. Just he hears somebody screaming and immediately like glances over like, is this a shark? Like he's all worried. And the guy's like trying to talk to him. Eventually Brody gets annoyed and he's just like, that's some bad hat, Harry. And like Harry gets all upset and walks away. (laughs) Brian Singer got the name of his production company, Bad Hat Harry, from that scene from Jaws. Brian Singer, same bring singers, X-Men? Yes. Right after the Bad Hat Harry scene, there's that shot. Like I I love the shots in this movie because, again, the shark didn't really work. It wasn't like they could use the puppet at all times. They never actually tested the shark in saltwater. I mean, they they tested in the tank at Universal Studios to make sure that it would actually function underwater. Yeah. But they didn't take into account that the salt water would destroy the servos on the on the puppet. And that's why it was named Flaws instead yes. of Jaws. Yes. So many flaws. The working title, meaning what they called the project while they were working on the movie, was Flaws. Oh, but so many issues. Yeah. Steven Spielberg called the... He referred to the shark as the great white turd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So he'd be like, on set, you'd be like, bring the turd around the boat. We need to shoot this scene again. Like, there was just so much contempt for that stupid puppet. Well, multiple puppets. Multiple puppets, yes. Because it kept breaking. Yeah. So, Steven Spielberg had to get creative with it. And he ended up doing a lot of the shark scenes in the shark's point of view. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I guess it gives a different point of view, too. Like, oh, this is what the shark sees. No, kinda, no, no. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of, like, Halloween, where you're the opening where you're seeing it through Michael Myers' eyes. Like, you're seeing through the eyes of a killer as he picks out his prey among all of these swimmers. The kid that's get that gets killed, Alex Winter. That's the kid's name. Yeah. Everybody screams, panics. Mom notices that Alex is the only one that didn't come out of the water, and then they show his torn up raft covered in blood just wash up on the shore. That was really graphic for the time. Graphic? They just showed a they just showed a torn up inner tube. I don't know, but just people thinking, all bloody and stuff. And that's where people were screaming and pushing each other. Yeah, that that's where people were panicking on the beach. Right. Uh, in that scene, they were actually paid. Uh. Everyone in that scene that was running away got paid sixty five or sixty four dollars for being an extra to just scream, and they're already on the beach. So it's just random beach goers. It, yeah, they were already <laughs> there, and they were filming. They're like, "Hey, want to be in a movie? Just scream and run when we tell you to." I think what's funny is if you if you look at like obviously there are people in that scene you're supposed to be paying attention to, like the yeah. people screaming and falling over. But if you look at the people in the background that are just amused that everyone's screaming, <laughs> like you see like the workers like of the hot dog stand just kind of smiling and looking at the people running by like, oh, there's there's a big crowd out here. What's going on? <laughs> Fun fact about that scene. The lady who plays Mrs. Kitchener was at a restaurant like 20, almost 30 years later when she noticed an, a menu item called the Alex Kitchener sandwich. Right. So she was like, oh, cool. I, I I played his mom in that movie. And she went to tell the staff that and the owner came out and it was the kid who played Alex in that scene. Really? Yeah. And like that, that's like the first time they've seen each other since they made the movie. But he named the sandwich after his character. He played in Jaws that got eaten. It was like a fish sandwich. Well, that's that's cool. What a small world. 
So I like the scene where they introduce Quint. Everybody's talking about like, oh, what are we going to do about the shark? The kid's mom ends up putting a bounty on it for three grand. And everybody's talking about, oh, what are we going to do? What do we hire somebody? We got to do like fishing things, like all that. And then Quint comes in. I'll catch the shark for three. I'll kill him for ten. And like all this other stuff. Originally, they were going to introduce Quint watching the movie Moby Dick in the theater, irritating the people in front of him. The reason they weren't able to do that was because the actor Gregory Peck owned the rights to the movie and he refused to sign it off for Jaws because he hated his own performance in that movie. That's why they ended up having to introduce Quint in the town hall scene. But originally, the way they were going to shoot it was the movie theater and then him walking to the town hall after buying piano wire. The funny thing about that scene that I noticed is when he scratched the chalkboard, there's a picture of a shark right there. So I was thinking, while everyone else was arguing and bickering, did he took the time to draw the shark and set up like all cool pose and stuff and everything became quiet and started doing his bit? Like, did he get bored? Like, I'm done drawing. Scratch. Yeah. (laughs) That shark looks so cute, too. It does look cute. I'm like... I, I think he wanted to prove a point. Like, look, this is a shark. Look Can't you see how skilled I am at sharks based off of how nicely I draw them? <laughs> All right. So my favorite scene in the movie is around like a quarter in within the movie when Brody is looking over a book about sharks and stuff. And for first, you don't notice all oh, the sharks, picture sharks, it's shark attacks, whatnot and stuff. But the certain images that I noticed like a third time watching is like, Wait a minute, that book foreshadows the rest of the movie. There's one picture of a shark with a scuba tank in his mouth. There's another picture of a shark all bloody and gutted, like, you know, Jaws being killed at the end. There's another picture of a shark um, shark bike victim where he's, like, bit in half, just like a hoop, uh, Quint does in the end. And there's other pages, other pages in the book that foreshadow the rest of the movie. It's like, wait, that foreshadows the whole movie. And yeah, I didn't notice that at first glance, <laughs> yeah. but watching it again, I liked it. I liked one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I I, yeah. I I really like that scene too because of Brody's wife in that scene. Yeah. Where the the boys like she takes the book from Brody and he's all paranoid after reading the book and then <laughs> he's like yelling at his son to get out of the rowboat and the wife's like oh it's fine he's in a boat it's not like he's in the water and she sees the picture of the shark biting through the boat and she's like didn't you hear your father come inside they go another picture the pic the uh, the shark biting through the boat that happens at the end of the movie oh yeah you're right yeah. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. Lots of foreshadowing. Lots it, of foreshadowing. It's a good movie. It is a good. It is a blockbuster blockbuster movie. <laughs> Easy for you to say. It's like a tongue. It's a block. Uh, yeah. Say blockbuster movie. Blockbuster. Let me talk about that scene where they introduce Hooper, because that scene is really really funny to me. Where Hooper comes in and he's there to do the autopsy from the Oceanic committee right to see whether or not it was actually a shark attack a shark attack or a boating accident that's my favorite scene from the movie now i mean i never really paid attention to it much when i was a kid but that's my favorite scene because the entire horror of that scene is conveyed in his actions he comes in he's like oh yeah i'm here to do the autopsy whatever blah 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 and then as soon as they pull the sheet off the body the camera locks at a like a medium shot of Hooper's face as he takes apart the body and he's he's just describing what he's seeing like oh uh age 18 to set, like 20 something 
a female lacerations on her neck. Like he's going through all the yeah. injuries and they don't show anything, which is kind of interesting because they definitely showed a dead body earlier. Yeah, they did. But the fact that they don't show anything makes it so that everything horrifying about the scene is portrayed through his performance. Well, I mean, they do show an arm. That's the only hint <laughs> of what happened. And yeah. like, you could see the panic on Hooper's face is like, this was no boating accident. It was not. It was pissed. He, he was getting like increasingly mad. And he even yells at the morgue or the coroner like. No, no, mortician is something else. Yeah, the, the coroner. He even yells at the coroner like, this was no boating accident. Did you call the Coast Guard? This was clearly a shark. Like, what's wrong with you people? Like, he's pissed in that scene. Right. And then and then they show the severed arm. Like, look at this. <laughs> a boat didn't do this. Propeller. Oh, yeah, a propeller. <laughs> yeah. You're right. That is a good scene. Just his whole acting, his reaction that he's trying to power through it but he wants to throw up but he's got to finish his job that is a good scene that same scene where they introduce hooper they show all of the fishermen gathering to hunt down the shark and eventually a couple of the dumber fishermen it's like oh yeah we caught a we caught a shark here look how big this is and hooper's like measuring it and they hang the shark up to take a picture and hooper's just like that's a tiger shark a what <laughs> like <laughs> so a what that that guy is oddly distinct for that scene. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's a meme. He's funny. Like, I was expecting him to come back later for some reason, but he never comes back up again. <laughs> when they filmed that scene, they used a real tiger shark that was, they had shipped to location. It wasn't fake? No, it was real. Like, it was really rotting and stuff. Ew. Yeah, apparently it was so badly rotted by the time it had arrived on set that when they went to hang it, its insides fell out of its mouth. That's why there's flies all over it. Yeah, and it's all slimy. If you look at the wide shot of that scene, yeah. you could see tears on the tail from when it just kind of started to give out as they were filming. I thought it was tears by the fisherman who caught it. No, no, no. The thing was rotted. It was just them hoisting it up. It was only three days, right? I believe so. Like, But it was unrefrigerated. Rotted, de oh. like dead fish <laughs> shipped over. Okay. Man, can you imagine the actors being near the shark? They said it was awful, and they tried to film it as quickly as possible. Shit, smells bad. That scene is really funny, and then it ends with like a really serious moment where the kid's mom comes to the dock and is like, you knew, and you did nothing? You could have stopped this. I think that's the most serious moment in the entire movie. It is. Yeah, yeah, like you just stop to watch it, and... By the way, that slap, that slap is very real. And it happened multiple times. So Yeah, the actor said that she didn't know how to do a fake slap. So every time they filmed the scene, she really went all out and smacked him. Multiple times? They I think they said it was like thirteen or fourteen yeah. takes. Shit, that's a lot of slaps. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it gets wor well, not worse, gets weird. Apparently, when fans later on would recognize that actress, they would ask her to slap them. What? Wait, wait. They're, they'll meet the actress in real life, and they'll say, oh, you're the actress from Jaws. Can you slap me? You're like, oh, yeah, you're you're the girl. You're the kid's mom. Smack me. Come on, smack me. And no. she, said, <laughs> she said in an interview, she used to go ahead and smack them, and then eventually it got weird. So she just stopped doing that. I think it would have been weird at the beginning. 
Yeah. I think that the fact that it got weird over time means that it was definitely more than once. And that's too many times for, yeah. for fans to do that. It's creepy. So after that scene, you have the Sheriff Brody after that scene sitting at the dinner table, clearly still shooken about that slap because he really got slapped that many times. <laughs> he's, he's actually holding <laughs> his he's face. He's holding his face. So he's sitting there. He's like in distress about the situation because he knew he could have controlled it. And it's such a great moment because visually you can see how he's upset and his son sees him being upset. And slowly the son starts to mimic him and he slowly starts, you see the tension relieving. And then his wife comes in to see him like she, she wanted to cover him, but she saw that what the son was doing and you just could feel a tension being relieved. And it was like such a good moment in that movie to show emotion and just how the kid kind of helped him bring him back to who he was. I, I absolutely love this scene. That's actually one of my favorite scenes from the entire movie, other than the scene with Hooper doing the autopsy. Because it's entirely in the performance, obviously. But then you're right. You could actually feel the tension drop as he starts to play with the kid more. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those moments where the acting was, you don't need words or anything. It that, and that those scenes where you don't need words really stand out as strong pieces. Like that phrase show don't tell. Yeah, exactly. Everything you need to know about these characters is in that scene. You have Brody acting all distraught. He sees his son and it slowly melts away and his wife is just observing all of this happen. And the scene ends with Brody thanking his son like, I needed that. And the kid's like, I don't I don't even know what I did, but okay. You're <laughs> just welcome. like a real kid. <laughs> like a real little kid. He, he made him feel better without even doing it on purpose. That's also the same scene where Hooper comes in to convince him to go autopsy the tiger shark. They find out that it's not the right tiger shark or it's not the right shark. Yeah, yeah. Right. They they um. I noticed they use a um steak knife. Was that a steak? I thought it was like a boning knife, like the kind you'd use to fillet a fish. I don't know. All I can think of is how realistic their face expression was. It makes me wonder if they use the same rotted fish. Oh, that's they, terrible. Because they do seem genuinely grossed out, and like I don't know if you've ever filleted a fish. It's not that gross unless it's a bad fish. The smell alone. <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah. like gasping, like, oh, it's got a license plate in its belly. Like, he he's, legit looks he's like, hurry, hurry. Yeah, he's like, hurry. Like, he seems way more grossed out than he should be, which makes me wonder <laughs> if they used the real rotting tiger shark. It probably there. was the same shark then. But isn't it cheaper to use something real than actually something well, fake? It's nighttime, so. Does that mean that the. Okay, <laughs> go. Like, go just. Probably why I was indoor. It was at the same just moment. Just power on through. Right after that is the first jump scare of the movie, which is considered one of the most popular jump scares of all time, is when they find Ben Gardner's boat. Yeah. And Hooper goes underwater and finds the shark tooth. And then his head just sort of flops out. Or like it's his upper torso. His upper torso. Flops out of the hole. And 
that's always considered to be one of the most popular jump scares of all time as far as movies go. Yeah, right? because is Jaws is not traditionally a horror movie, it's more thriller. It's more thriller, yeah. yeah. Even though it's one of the most scariest movies and it scared people so many people yes, it to has. this day. That's the other thing though. I don't remember this movie being that funny. Like growing up watching it, I've always loved this movie. Jaws is always one of my top twenty favorite movies, whatever, but it didn't occur to me how funny Jaws was. A what? Yeah, like the that weird goofy fisherman guy or <laughs> what they say to Hooper when he's like, Do you guys know where I could find a place to eat and a yeah. place to stay? And they're like Walk straight ahead. Like walk straight ahead so I can walk <laughs> off the dock. There's so many random jokes in this movie that I just never noticed before. When I was a kid, I always thought of Jaws as a serious movie. But there's a lot of gags that I just didn't get when I was a kid. It has a good yeah. mix. Serious, drama, suspense, comedy. Uh, the scene after they find Ben Gardner, yeah. and they're trying to tell the mayor about it, is very like awkward to me. Because Brody goes, oh, two people are dead already. Does that mean they not count Ben Gardner's head that they found at the bottom of his boat? Nope, no one's going to speak about him again. I I just figure that they don't need to mention. It's implied, but them not mentioning like, oh, it's been two killings without mentioning a third one. Well, I I mean, I I know that 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 jump scare wasn't actually supposed to be in the movie. It wasn't? No, uh, Steven Spielberg added it to like he wanted there to be more of a thrill. So he intentionally put in the jump scare right there, meaning it wasn't exactly planned, so I wonder if it just wasn't in the script that there was supposed to be another dead body. So you're thinking that they finished the movie, oh, halfway through the, through the movie, and he's thinking, I should add a jump scare right there, and they just added an extra shot? Possibly, without including any additional dialogue to explain that they found that dude's body. Either that, or Hooper didn't tell Brody he found dude's body at the bottom of his boat i don't know that's pretty messed up like he finds a course but he doesn't report it in well he swims out all panicked after he drops the shark tooth and he's just like and then he just doesn't say anything and then the next scene is them telling the mayor and they're like oh yeah two two people died in a week let's not mention the third guy that we that we found no one cares about him like did hooper not tell anybody maybe he's so traumatized he couldn't talk the thing about that scene that I find very amusing is how much the mayor trying to not deal with the shark and like, no, we got to do something. There's definitely a shark here. There's a problem. And the mayor goes, do you see this graffiti? Like, what are you talking about? We were just talking about a shark attack. What are you focusing on right now to ignore? To make it perfection. Yeah. Amityville, as you know, means friendship. Like it does. I I didn't know that. The greater good. Greater good. So after that, they have th- that scene where the kids are pretending to be a shark and they almost get shot by the patrolling police boats. Oh, yeah, that was a close close call. That scene always made me laugh as a, as a kid because I remember thinking, why did they hold their fire? Why didn't they just start shooting as soon as they saw the fin? Oh, maybe because they cornered the shark. And the shark's going and raises fins up. I give up. Yeah, exactly. Suspension. <laughs> Suspension. Like, I mean, I get it that, yeah, they're supposed to reveal it's a fake. But I'm pretty sure I would have just shot at the fin if I were one of those cops, you know? I don't yeah. know. Maybe they're like, wait, something seems fishy. 
<laughs> oh man that was good that was a good one i wasn't even thinking of it being as a pun you see that's when it comes best <laughs> don't don't ever think it just let it come natural those kids are lucky they didn't just get blasted by those cops that were patrolling i know right i liked that shot because it, it definitely because from the point of view of the two little kids and in that one shot they know they effed up really bad you see all of these cops pointing guns at the camera and the kid's like, he made me do it. I didn't want to, but he made me. You know what's messed up about that scene? Like, that scene's kind of freaky because right after that, a lady spots the real shark in the bay. Like, in the little inlet. Yeah, and they're all distracted on that side. If you think about it, those two kids caused that guy to die. Because when that they when they spotted the fake shark fin... All of the cops that were patrolling the water went around the inlet to where they were and pointed their guns <laughs> at their fake fin. Do you need that many guns for one shark? Well, they didn't know. That's not even moving. That's <laughs> Yeah, but... Stationary. The point is, because all the cops had gone around the inlet to go to the fake shark, when the real shark appears in the little uh, grove area... The cops can't get there in time, and somebody gets eaten. And then, of course, uh, Brody's kid ends up like falling in the water and seeing the guy get eaten. But because of those dumb kids and their prank, the cops couldn't stop the shark when they had the chance. Yeah. So it's all your fault. One thing about that scene that I noticed watching it again is when I think it's Brody's son was in in the water. He's not splashing about or anything. He's just floating, and the shark swims past him and goes other attack the other guy who yeah. is like splashing about and everything so yeah. it's just an interesting thing that they're trying to keep it re- realistic in the movie yeah because he looks like a seal yeah <laughs> nice chunky seal chunky man. you know what's funny uh the idea that splashing about causes a shark attack yeah if you look into the original jersey man eater story that was literally what they told people to chase sharks away Splash him? Yes. That's make sure you splash and thrash about. It frightens the shy and, no. and nervous sharks away. No, it just and it keeps the them. turtles at bay. That was one of the tips they gave uh, people swimming to keep sharks away back then. Oh, how even did though, that work? Even though they didn't believe sharks could attack people. That was the thing. They figured that since sharks were so skittish, splashing and thrashing around would make them go away. <laughs> Maybe because, since, oh, it's a fish and fish when you splash and they're swim away so yeah but that's like the opposite of what you're supposed to do that attracts them they come to splashes because they need food for some reason i when i picture like games and stuff on the beach i don't know why maybe because of this movie i have this image of yeah arcades are literally on the beach like next to the ocean on the sand and stuff but realistically that that doesn't really work out. In Santa Cruz, there's an arcade near their beach. But it's like far away from the oh, sand. Yeah, it's 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 a good like I wanna say hundred feet from the shore. But in Jaws, there's literally a hot dog stand within fifteen feet of the water. I'm like, that must suck when high tide comes up. Like I <laughs> imagine every like all the floor all the boardwalk being rotted and gross. Salty wieners. I mean, maybe that's how they used to have boardwalks before. Like, we we can't do this anymore. It's weird how 
Jaws today is a period piece because that movie's over 40 years old. And us watching it today, we're like, is that how people used to dress? Or was that normal to have the snack bar so close to the water yeah. back just then? Just a placement, like, just a placement thing. When the movie came out, that was a modern movie. I don't know. I just I find that interesting that, that that's come up now. Like, did they always used to have hot dog stands and snack bars that close? Like, they had the arcade cabinets on the sand. <laughs> no, that scene makes me laugh, too, because I've never listened to this on such a clear we have like an hd surround system we have like a fancy bose speaker i've never heard this movie on surround sound or like a sound bar or anything this clean i never listened to the crowd in the background while everybody's panicking there's a guy screaming does anyone have a gun somebody please shoot it shoot the shark someone shoot it i've never noticed that before oh are you talking about the scene when um brody is running through the beach yeah where he's running through the beach after the shark has attacked another person you could just hear someone screaming like i don't have a gun someone get a gun we need to shoot the shark (laughs) i was like who's saying that what what's going on shouldn't brody have a gun he is a sheriff i never noticed that without surround sound is what i was saying yeah Except for the ending scene where the when the shark gets blown up by the two um, scuba tank, it's a realistic movie. Wasn't it supposed to end differently? That's right. In the original ending, as scripted, it was as soon as the shark blows up. Yeah, mind you, originally the way the the movie was going to end was Hooper was supposed to be killed in the shark cage. Yeah, Quint gets bitten in half. Yeah, Brody does the whole thing. He blows up the shark, kills it. Right. The original ending was supposed to be him on the sinking boat celebrating that he killed the shark. And in the chum caused by the shark explosion, several other fins pop up and surround him. That was how the movie was supposed to end. Now, that sounds more like a Tales from the Crypt movie. Well, I think the ending would have worked if Brody was still as unlikable as he is in the book. Right? True. I mean... Hooper ended up surviving because he was so likable. He was supposed to die in that scene, too. I'm glad I like him. So they naturally wanted to give them a happy ending just because the characters were so much better. And a lot of that was in the performance. Because Brody hardly has any lines for the first half of the movie. He doesn't talk much. Yeah. Mysterious vibes. He only has, like, really one good line. What, two good lines? Well, his most famous line in the movie was improv we're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger boat. That and wasn't in the script. why does it fade away? Sorry, just... Ah, the, it's so odd. Oh, the fade away? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's like, we're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a, some backup. And like it just randomly fades his audio. That's the only part of the movie that doesn't have a clear cut or like a clean transition. Maybe it felt was, like a mistake, didn't it? Maybe that was part of, part of the scene that was submerged in water. And they lost a cut of the movie. So just fade. Who cares? Obviously, there, there are a lot of things about this movie that we did like. What were, I mean, total opposite of Amityville. What are bits we didn't like about the movie? Or at least odd or stupid things that stuck out? I just keep thinking about we're going to need a big boat. Well, there was one scene in the movie that stuck out for me. Well, multiple things. But this one stuck out. Is when the mayor finally caves in. He's going to close the beach. And he signs like the contract or signs the paperwork to say he's gonna you know close it, but the way he's framed is you hear the scribble, but 
he's his arm, his shoulders don't really move. Like he just kind of flicked his wrist and signed it. Yeah, his wrist is doing all the work, and you know when you sign, your shoulder is in the action and stuff. But he, it looks weird. Again, it's that that Spielberg wonder where he doesn't move the camera. Yeah, it should have moved to a medium shot so you could see that he reluctantly signed. But since it's off camera, it just looks like they're staring into each other's eyes. He's just wiggling. That same scene also stuck out to me because they're walking out of the hospital room because Brody's kid is in shock. Luckily, he wasn't injured. They're walking out of the hospital room and they're wheeling the kid and he sees the mayor as they're walking. And Brody's wife is talking to the nurse and whatnot. And they're like discussing like, yeah, your son is in shock. He should be okay. Blah, 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 blah. If you watch the doctor who center frame in that scene pushing the gurney you could tell they told him whatever you do don't look at the camera because that dude's eyes oh, are gosh. darting left um, or right it's so awkward to yeah. see. like he's like i don't know where to look like he's like trying not to look at the actresses like he's panicking as he's walking <laughs> toward the camera in that scene and then they walk right right as the scene ends you could see him like glance the camera lens like he looks at it as they pass by were there any scenes that you found like that stick out like what was I mean, that? Actually, I I would like to say my favorite scary part of the movie. Okay. When I think of Jaws, I think of the scene where people are scared to go in the water. They're just staring at it. Like I don't want to go in. We're all gonna die. But why are we here anyways? Oh, and the mayor walks up to the guys like. How come you're not swimming? Yeah. People need to be swimming. Like, no one's in the pressure. water. Oh, when he forces the family to swim? Yeah, it's it's one of his one of his sidekicks from earlier in the movie. He's oh, like, goon. get in the water. I need you to get in the water. <laughs> He's like, uh, but I just put on sunscreen and uh, you know, I'm not feeling well. They're all clearly terrified. And it shows him and his wife, and there's a close-up of his wife, and she looks horrified as she's stepping into the water. <laughs> They're all like, I don't want to do this. Or like, we got to do this, though. What he should have done is, you go into water. You should, <laughs> If you believe there's no shark, you go into water. I'll stay here safe with my family. Shouldn't have gone to the beach. I love how it takes one stupid person to go in the water for everyone on the beach to be like, oh, I guess it's okay. The stampede it, effect. Is that realistic? Because if I didn't want to go, I wouldn't go. Like, even if there was one people or a hundred people, I don't know. Well, I, I think it's a thing of like, I'll go if you go. No, you well, go and I'll go. Well, he says it's okay. He's having fun. Well, maybe if we stand closer to the shore, he'll get attacked and we won't. And if water. If you're afraid of the water, why would you go? But I really like when they were afraid to go in the water, then they go in the water and then they get attacked. Because that's the part I'm like, oh no, they actually... It happened. Well, no. See, that turns out to be those two kids with the fake fin. And later, right? that, that right. guy in the yeah. red boat gets attacked. But, like, everyone's panic and terror of, oh, no, here it is. There's that shot of that guy that gets ran yeah. over, like, in <laughs> and trampled. And trampled. And someone just scoops him up and drags him onto the beach. <laughs> like, real panic there. I'll just stay on the sand. Thank you. Well, one of the scary scenes for me in the movie is near the end. When the shark's flying like halfway through the boat and he tilts it towards him and Quinn falls down, slides down and he lands inside the shark's teeth and he's trying to struggle 
he it looks like he's gonna make it and stuff, but he loses footing and he's like he's like waist deep in his shark's um, mouth and he's biting down. He's swinging, he's screaming, he's stabbing his shark, and he's like, "No, he's gone." And the shark sinks with Quint in his mouth, and that that scene terrifies me. And that's like one of the biggest fears I have is just to be swallowed alive by any animal. Actually, they they changed that scene from in the book because originally in the book Quint doesn't die that way. How does he die in the book? He ends up dying because the book is obviously a parallel to Moby Dick, of course. Yeah. And Quint would obviously be the Captain Ahab character. Right. He ends up dying the same exact way Ahab does in the book. He ends up getting tanked. You know the how they shoot the tanks yeah. or the, the barrels with the rope on them? Yeah. Quint ends up getting tangled in those and dragged under by the shark. And that's how he dies in a book? He ends up drowning like Ahab does in Moby Dick. Tangled in the wire being pulled underwater by the fish. Only on his way down, he's stabbing him repeatedly as he's getting drowned. And the shark ends up slowly bleeding out while it's trying to attack Brody in the book. It's not as climactic. (laughs) I mean, it it looks cool. I'm like, yeah, get him. Get him. He does stab the shark. He does. A lot. Yeah, yeah. With a machete, no less. Wouldn't it be just so lame? just really died like you said yeah if it just kind of bleeds out boring that the way the shark dies at the end of this movie has been arguably the like the one thing that most people do not like about jaws is the way the shark blows up at the end of the movie oh it's because it's a scuba tank and they're not um explosible they can't blow up yeah scuba tanks don't work (laughs) that way if you shoot a scuba tank, it'll turn into like a torpedo. It won't just explode. Yeah, they um, they did an episode of Mythbusters where they tested that myth. And they shot a couple of scuba tanks, hit it a couple of times just to you know give you the best scenario that it could explode. But after shot after shot, it never exploded. Just a lot of hissing and smoke. smoke? It, it blew everywhere. Yeah. Was what it, did. it turned into a torpedo. It launches yeah, but, itself. But no explosion. I think if you actually did that to a shark, like put a scuba tank in its mouth yeah. and then shoot it, it would probably launch itself out of the back end of that shark. Oh, so it'll be like a bullet. It would be like a bullet that it's that he's holding on to. So it would definitely <laughs> knock the shark over. It would probably kill it, just not in the same way. I think that what really bugs me about that scene, the author of the book, Peter Benchley, had to be asked to leave the set because he was so annoyed about the ending being changed. He prefer the ending where he just bleeds to death. Yeah, because it's unrealistic for a, a scuba tank to explode that way. And he even pointed that out to Steven Spielberg. And eventually... Everything about the movie was realistic. So I could see that being like, come on, it's got to be real. Yeah, well, the- Spielberg's logic was that he's built up the shark so much that it doesn't matter if it's not realistic. An explosive ending will get people to cheers, which it totally did at the time. Did for me. But what bugs me about it is there are so many other things he could have put in that shark's mouth, like gasoline, gasoline, for example, to power like they use. It's a gas powered boat. Yeah. It could have had a gas tank or better yet, the dynamite that they kept showing. In that the- would have been cool. Right, right. They never used the dynamite. Yeah. They kept showing dynamite and explosives and whatnot in the fishing scene where they introduce all the fishermen. Yeah. Why not use the dynamite to blow up the shark at the end of the movie? Yeah. Um, he could have still done the same thing of having Brody shoot something, but 
there are so many other options if the problem was scuba tanks don't work that way find something that would couldn't tell but there are moments where it it goes from tank at the universal lot to on location and i can't really tell what's what can you like you could tell you're the one that was, was pointing it out to me like the waves just suddenly stop moving for a shot I, it is kind of hard to tell, and I noticed the watercolor was kind of different, because if you've ever been in Universal Studios in Hollywood, you can actually see the location where they filmed Jaws, and they also have this giant blue lake with a giant blue background to make it seem like it's endless amounts of water, so it's easy for filming, because that's where they had to do most of the shots for the shark, because he would sink in salt water and not operate properly. Like some of the pickup shots, they—I mean—they shot—they shot a lot of in the ocean, just off the coast. But some of the other more complicated scenes with the puppet, they had to shoot in the tank at Universal Studios. And, and on an off note on that, some of the weird down angles were because they didn't want to show how close they were to the inland when they were on the ocean. <laughs> I mean, granted, story-wise. They're supposed to be off the shore anyway, only a couple miles from shore. But yeah. Steven Spielberg very deliberately tried not to show the land. Yeah. Because they're filming pretty much where the characters would be on the ocean. But at the same time, you don't want that option of going, well, then just go back. I could see the island right there, you know. Until the end of the movie when they're swimming toward the shore, the camera kind of pans right like, oh, look, see, it's always been there in the background. That's or long... they just now got there because they were pushing through. Well, to me, the scariest scene of the movie is the opening scene. Just because of the raw nature of just her like going Ugh, and like choking and like drowning as she's being whipped about. And you don't see what's happening to her. You just kind of hear it. And then you see her suddenly go being thrown around like really hardcore. And then she just pulls under and stops her, her final words was like please god no yeah it, it wasn't like the ending scene where quint is just brutally stabbing bruce 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 <laughs> just brutally stabbing him and not screaming and like oh no i'm terrified he's like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna get you <laughs> was like, i'm oh. prepared for this I'm going down swinging. Even though he's like being chomped and he's like going, ow, ow. And then he's he dies. the Revian. That scene where Hooper is in the shark cage, they actually used a dwarf and a mini cage because obviously they, they, they wanted to film with a real shark and obviously they weren't going to find a 30 foot real shark. <laughs> so they, they used a dwarf and a mini cage and filmed with a normal like six foot of six foot size shark yeah <laughs> that works i guess yeah because i didn't notice it at all yeah yeah when they were filming the scene there was a scene where the shark attacks the cage and thrashes it about and messes it up yeah. and it looks really cool but unfortunately it was before they put the actor in the cage or the stuntman in the cage wait so there's a cameraman just on the outside not in a cage I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, there was. There was a, a cameraman on the outside, not in a cage. Uh-huh. Those are the soul. people thanked at the end <laughs> credits, at the last credit. Like, special thanks to such and such for filming the real shark footage. It says uh, that in the credits <laughs> that they filmed the real shark yeah, that, footage. That's a scary yeah. job. I hope they got paid extra hero's. for that. Oh, but 
And what I was saying was, since there was no one in the cage when the shark was thrashing about, they added the scene with Hooper swimming out of it. Because they needed to use that footage. It was too good to not use. So they're like, let's just have him swim out of the cage. We could have Hooper survive. Because that doesn't make any sense. Why? Well, I guess they're like, the sharks focus on the cage, not the person. Even though he's clearly... <laughs> like trying to break the cage open, yeah. going after his little body. I like how he, his, how he got away was he hid behind a rock, <laughs> like underwater. He hides behind a rock, and the shark just ignores him. <laughs> well, he's not splashing about, so he's just like floating down there. He understands sharks. Yeah, with his stupid spear gun that he holds away and out of the cage. So when he just he lightly taps it, he drops it, and he's screwed. Wah, wah. That scene is funny because you could definitely see a difference between the mechanical shark and the real shark. Yeah. Totally. Like the real shark, it, well, it's fluid. You could see like its whole body like spin what? and like stuff. I'm like, cool, that looks real. And then you see the other shark as it comes up towards the actor. It's like, ah. I'm and it's like, got a oh. hinge. You can see the hinge on that shot of the jaw just going. I they tried. I feel like, I don't know if it looked more bizarre because we were watching it in, on an HD format. Like, if we watched it on an old VHS or an old... It probably looks solid. Like, looks, yeah, it looks yeah, good. Yeah, it probably looked better on an old school TV. Too many details. Just or like, like um, Sleepaway Camp. Oh, you, yeah. You know, when you saw the um, villain and the bright shot and the Blu-ray, one of the original shot, you don't really see the details. There's another, another scene in the movie that, you know, trying to be nitpicky. Yes, more nits. Yeah, because I really enjoyed this movie. It's the complete 180 of the last last movie we did, which you need to pick the hell of that movie. But this one, you can't really because it's such a good movie. But the one I'm thinking about is they mentioned bringing an Uzi, but I don't remember them using an Uzi. Yeah, they, they don't use the Uzi. Okay, I figure like... I don't think they bring the Uzi because in that scene, he's listing all the weapons they have available. Yeah. And Quint grabs the spear gun. That's it. Or not Quint, uh, Hooper. Hooper grabs the spear gun. That's the only gun he takes. And then, of course, uh, Brody grabs the rifle and his pistol. Yeah, that makes so sense. So they were offered a whole plethora of guns to choose from, and Hooper goes with his spear gun, and Quint laughs at him like, really? I just figure if you get that amount of weapons, you want to take everything you can to fight against the shark. I guess they didn't think of it as a serious threat until they saw it in person. And saw how big it was. We're going yeah, to get bigger they're boat. like, oh, it's fine. He's under the boat. No biggie. And even Quentin is like, oh, I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. And then he sees it and he goes, ah, uh, right. More barrels. Like, you know what I mean? More barrels. <laughs> More barrels. You're right. This movie is a total 180 from the last movie we did. I mean, I figured after how much we did not like the amityville horror we should probably do something fun something that we're guaranteed to at least give a high rating <laughs> just yeah. to yeah. contrast on how much we tore apart the amityville horror no he would have died if we would have let him called for help just saying they did need a bigger boat they they did and when he tried to call quint smashed the radio that's I think dumb i obviously quint is my favorite character in this movie almost Everything he says is gold. There's so many quotable quotes from this movie. Other than the bigger boat thing, I'm pretty sure everything else is from Quint. Like, 
here's to swimming with bow-legged women. Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I love that quote. Or how he randomly starts singing the uh, Spanish ladies. But I think the funniest part with Quint is when Brody's wife comes. Yeah. And she's all worried. Like, she's all panicked. Oh, is everyone going to be okay? Is everything going to be safe? She's saying goodbye to Brody. And he goes into that poem about Mary Lee. Here lies the body of Mary Lee. Died at the age of 103. For 15 years, she kept her virginity. Not a bad record for this vicinity. <laughs> like, it's such a silly, like, why did you say that? And it, Mrs. Brody just turns around like, oh, <sighs> how do you react to that? Flabbergasted. What would you rate this movie out of how many stars? Hold Three. on. Oh. oh. Hold on. Oh. Because there's one scene we absolutely have to talk about. Which is? The scar scene. Scar? The scar scene is one of the most famous scenes from the movie where they're all sitting around. Oh. They're all sitting around drinking. Oh, that scene. It's the first time in the movie where Quint and Hooper are finally starting to get along. Of course, it would be over a bottle of whiskey. (laughs) They're comparing their scars. So Quint like first shows off the scar on his head and how his arm can't bend anymore because of an arm wrestling thing. And Hooper makes a joke about girl that broke his heart and he opens his shirt and he goes, you see that? He goes, you're wearing a sweater. It's like, no, no, that was from Mary Ellen Moppet. She broke my heart. There's just a funny bit. And then he sees the scar on his arm. He's like, what's that one? He goes, it was a tattoo. Had it removed. And he's still kind of funny for a second. He goes, it was for the USS Indianapolis. That speech, Quint's speech about the USS Indianapolis is such an amazing scene. I think it shows his character, like how he is definitely not one, like why he is into what he's into with sharks. Everything you need to know about Quint is shown in that scene where he's talking about the Indianapolis. The Indianapolis was a ship that went down during World War II where... A lot of them survived. You know, the, the ship sank, but only a small percentage of them died in the explosion. They ended up, most of them got eaten by sharks waiting for rescue. Shit. He says that in the movie. But his depiction of what happens is so chilling. Apparently, the actor, like, rewrote it himself. They added bits to, like, make it more personable for him to be able to tell it. But it really shows. Like, watch how cold everything gets. And it makes that killing scene with the shark that much better. Like, yes, you were made for this, even though yeah, he's kind of getting you. Yeah, the fact that it gets eaten is way more tragic because of that scene where he's describing how scared he was waiting for rescue with his friends being eaten by sharks around him. Inaccurate, by the way, uh, that scene, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. He, the date he lists is wrong. I, th- I believe it's off by like a couple months. Oh, so but it did actually happen. Yes, yes. the USS Indianapolis was a real ship. Oh. I keep saying this, but another favorite scene from that movie. And I think that's what makes Jaws way up there to me is because there's so many scenes in this movie that you could just cut out and be like, this is a great scene for various reasons. Either the acting is perfect or the writing is perfect. And... For that monologue, everything is just solid in that scene. Yep. 180 from last time. Yeah. I mean, this movie is a great movie that is still an example for 
so many different things today. Uh, in our last review, you mentioned Amityville is the movie you show somebody if you're teaching them how to make movies and you're showing them what not to do. Yeah. Jaws would be the movie you show them as an example of where you get everything right. What Even though for. everything went wrong. Yes. Considering how hard the movie was to make and how much trouble everything was, the movie was perfect. Because of all the limitations there were making the movie, it forced Spielberg's skill to really show. And, I mean, as much as I love Spielberg, I love his work, his m- recent movies have not been as good. And everybody seems to think, oh, it's because Spielberg is losing his touch because he's getting old. No. The reason to me, personally, why Spielberg's movies have not been as good is because they keep giving him too much money to play with. Look at the last Indiana Jones movie. Meh. You imagine how much better that would have been if he had half the budget and Spielberg actually had to make it work? Yeah, yeah. He made Jaws work with going over budget, being over schedule with literally the elements against him. Like the like the rain and the weather and everything was going wrong and it forced him to use every bit of filmmaking skill he had to pull off a decent movie and it ended up becoming an amazing one. It's that stressful creativity that really makes stuff shine. But when you have too much money, you kind of go all over the place. You're not as restricted. It's that thing of it kind of forces you to really work because if you're given the budget, you're given everything you want, you could do things because you want to rather than because you had to. And when you have to do things, you become creative. Yeah. Poorness is creativity. Like what I was saying earlier, you know how much worse the movie Jaws would have been if he was able to use the puppet immediately like he was supposed to. Wow. Half the movie, you see the, you don't even see the shark until that jump scare where the shark pops up. And that's that's the second jump scare of the movie. That totally works to the advantage, though. It's that thing of, like, stop showing the thing that's going to eat you. Yeah, actually, that concept of in a horror movie where you don't show the monster until the last reel of the movie, that tradition kind of started because of Jaws. Prior to that, monster movies and like scary movies in general were very upfront with this is the thing that you're supposed to be afraid of. That was the style back in the early 70s. But because of Jaws, it kind of added that mystique of if we keep you guessing as to what's threatening you, the fear of the unknown will enhance how much scarier it is. And then when you actually see it, you're like, oh, Yes, that jump scare of the shark popping out of the water is amazing because of it. Did um, Jaws came out before Halloween? Yes, Halloween came out uh, 1978, a good three years after Jaws. Okay, so you were saying that in Jaws, they had to show the creature or monster less to be more scary. Maybe Jaws influenced Halloween since you don't really see Michael that much most of the movie. And then if he does, he makes certain appearances in the movie. Oh, yeah. A lot of scary movies take that same cue, like even Nightmare on Elm Street, where you kind of see Freddy in glimpses until he reveals himself to Tino like by jumping out from behind the tree. Like, ah, look at me. He's just done in silhouette. He's done in shadow. He's done very vaguely. Like, you get glimpses until you're ready to be scared by him. And that 
that definitely shows in Jaws. And that's entirely because Spielberg couldn't use the puppet. Yep. Gotta get creative. So you're saying that Spielberg, if he wants to make better movies, he should be given a less budget. He should be forced into using less budget. He should be forced to let use less budget. I think that's true with a lot of filmmakers who kind of not sell out, but well, lose creativity maybe because being poor is being creative and just finding different ways that you normally wouldn't do stuff like that in. A lot of great movies are made because the filmmaker had to earn the respect. And I think with in Spielberg's case, now that he is Spielberg, he's like gold standard for good filmmaking. He just isn't making good films anymore. At least none as memorable as his early work. I mean, look at Peter Jackson in the Lord of the Rings movies. Sure, those were great. But man, The Hobbit got away from him, didn't it? Spiders. The Hobbit didn't even bother using a real set. and Like, almost all the movie was on green screen. And they filmed the actor separate to do all the CGI. Like, Hobbit went... He went way overboard with Hobbit because he had a budget. Fix it in post. Yeah. That fix it in post mentality comes with a higher budget. And I think that kind of... It's not that it makes filmmakers lazy so much as... It's not as creative an environment for them. They have a cushion. It takes away, uh, I guess, the amazing part of film. It takes away their critical thinking abilities. Because unless they have to make it work, they don't have to worry about it. Right. Let someone else handle it. Fix it and post. I don't think I need to ask, but ratings? Oh, that's easy. A five out of five. Is that five or ten or nine stars? Oh, or, or, or three. It was or... one out of five we did last time. <laughs> I, I think we should just stick to five stars. Yeah, okay. it's easier. Standard, not your nine stars. We could do nine. No. Nine? No. No? What about, what well, about, five is fine. What about, <laughs> what about a set of stars? Five bloody daggers out of five. Is a bloody dagger a good oh, thing? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> a, a five tapes out of five. Since, you know, the logo is a tape. Oh. Golden tapes out of five. Uh, oh, is that too corny? I'm just gonna say stars. Uh, I would have to rate this honestly about a solid four point seven. Point seven? Where's the point? Wait, why a point seven? Where's the point three losing you? Uh, I want to say this is really, really high up in there, but that fade. That fade. <laughs> it bothered you that much that you're willing to, I guess you didn't knock it a whole point. No, I didn't. Just a little bit. Just a little not much. There isn't too much to change. It's just things that I guess with a higher budget and with more time could have easily been fixed and would have been like perfect. The music, by the way, is so solid. That song, you could just do da dun. Yeah, we didn't really talk about John Williams in here. Uh, We didn't talk about John Williams, the composer of the song. I honestly, because it was so good that I didn't even really remember to mention it. Yeah, it's like a key point. That song right there. If you're swimming and you hear that song, someone's playing a joke on you. 
I saw that in a, in a prank video where like a lady's on the dock and she goes, oh no, I dropped my wallet in the water. And like a guy would dive in after it. And then as soon as he's in the water, a band would come out <laughs> with like tubas and play. And the, guy, the guy's like, oh, whatever. And then a shark fin pops up and the guy panics and the music picks up as he swims to shore. Oh, fuck this. It's one of those hidden camera prank videos. <laughs> yes. And that's why the song is so amazing. You know what's funny is uh, Steven Spielberg didn't like it at first. Why? When Too simple? Yes. When John Williams played him the theme, he thought it was a joke. And he was like, okay, come on, seriously, what's the theme? He goes, <laughs> hear me out, play this with the shark in the footage, and trust me. And it totally works. It's it, that build. It's that slow, yeah. steady notes that you hear. And as it picks up tempo... Your heart starts to like to beat faster, and you're like, "Oh no, oh no, here it comes!" It's a dreading feeling, and it, it totally works for the first person view of the shark because you you could kind of feel the camera getting closer as the music picks up. Yeah, so uh, the the music moves with the visuals. What it is? Yeah, definitely. Like, well, that's John Williams for you. So, so many good themes by him, man. John Williams is the man. Anyway. What the heck? So yeah, I would say out of five stars, a 4.7. There's little nuances that could have been fixed, but like... Uh, Was it just that one or is there another one that sticks out to you? That drawing of that shark on that chalkboard. I thought you liked that. Yeah. Come on. Could have done better. I mean, it was cute. I liked it, but... What 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 point were you trying to prove with that shark? I need answers with that shark. <laughs> it's just points that don't really make sense, I guess. So that's why it doesn't really matter. It's a good movie. What would it need for you to give it a five? Just shoot the shark. Just shoot the kids. Come on. This got to be realistic. Can you just imagine if that scene was actually realistically, where they actually do open fire? They would have opened fire without checking to see if the fin was real. I yeah, and then like the it, bodies yeah. would float up, and they'll see, we just killed two kids. And then in the corner, the shark's killing another victim. So three <laughs> people died that day. Oh, god, It's okay. They won't count the third one. <laughs> uh, yes. I would give up points for continuity errors. Like how they don't count Ben Gardner's death? Yeah. In the amongst the dead later in the movie. Yeah, that that kind of bugged me. You're right. That's probably like what you said. They just added that scene. I think so. Cuz otherwise everything else is solid in the movie. I mean, no movie's perfect. No, I, no no movie's perfect. But it is it's pretty good up there. Definitely a high high rating. So What about for you, Antonio? I already gave my rating. Five. I love the movie. Just solid five? Yeah. No changes? No, like... the. Not even an oxygen tank? No. Mm, <laughs> I wouldn't knock a point for it, though. I didn't say a point. But it's just I'll, like I'll, a micro point. I'll give another rating and more detailed explanation. <clears throat> so I will give it a five. I love the movie. love the story. I love the characters. love the drama. There are certain things you could nitpick, but I look past by it just as... Just because it's such a good movie. Complete opposite of the last movie we did where we just nitpicked the hell of it. I could nitpick pretty much every movie I see, but there wasn't enough bad things in Jaws to not give it five stars. Oh, like, no, you're making me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Goodness. I mean, 
That transition aside, yeah, that was very <laughs> jarring. That's very, very odd. That one like fade in a movie full of cuts. And it doesn't ruin the movie tank. at all. Okay, fine. The oxygen tank thing is kind of dumb, but I wouldn't knock a point for that. I wouldn't knock a point for the weird transition either. They weren't a real point. It was like 0.3, okay? Fine. A fraction <laughs> of a point because of how silly one or two things are in this movie. Okay. Uh, I think the reason why I could give it a solid five is specifically because it hit every marker for a satisfying movie to me. It had an explosive ending, albeit kind of silly, the air tank. It had a definite buildup, tension. All of the characters were not only relatable, you actually worried whether or not they would make it out of the scene. Even the annoying ones were memorable. They couldn't even put a character in to say a silly line like, A what? A what? You remember almost everything about the movie. I mean... Granted, this movie, it's been years since I watched this movie, but I was entertained every second. This this movie's hella long. It's like, well, especially by 1970s standards, this movie was like two hours long, and I didn't get bored the whole time. It's yep. uh, really captivating. That's the word I was looking for. This movie's really captivating. Even the moments where they're just sitting quietly. I want to see what happens, which doesn't really happen too often in these kind of movies. Mind you, I, I guess this wouldn't really count as a horror movie. I, I, I get that, but some people. There's enough impact that this movie has that I would call it a horror movie because this movie scared people. Like, really, truly scared people. In fact, uh, Bravo a few years back did their countdown of the hundred scariest movie moments of all time. Jaws was number one because of the influence of Jaws above every other horror movie listed hundreds of movies that they compiled using different like user vote-ins. Like they had people write in their reasonings for scariest movie moments. Jaws beat all of them because Jaws changed the world. Literally sharks, we're on the endangered species list because of how scared people were of this movie. It's so sad. That is really sad. It but is. the fact that this movie was so terrifying that it kind of messed up the beach community, like people going to beach resorts, people going swimming. This movie was so scary for its time. People going to the toilet. People being afraid of silly things like the shark coming out of the toilet story <laughs> that we heard. I, I I can't even explain how scary this movie was because I I obviously this movie came out before I was born, but I understand how scary it is because I remember being afraid of a shark. And I hadn't even seen the movie when I was a little kid, but I knew it came from Jaws. It was so influential that like even if you haven't seen the movie, you know about it. You understand why Sharks are so scary. It's like we're talking about the true story. Prior to that happening, no one was afraid of sharks. And I feel like there was a long time when people learned to forget about being afraid of sharks. And then Jaws came out. And then everyone was scared again. And there are very few movies that could brag about 
and then we were scared. So I think that's what makes Jaws a perfect horror movie to me. Because it's not the fact that the movie was scary. It had two jump scares and a few great suspense scenes. But what made Jaws scary was that once you turned it off, you were afraid to go back into the water. I think that's what makes a horror movie, even though this technically isn't a horror movie, it makes it stay and last forever. When you come home, are you scared still? Or are you just like, oh no, it was just a jump scare. If that thought lingers inside you, it's a good movie. I think that's what makes for a perfect horror movie. The fact that you're afraid when you're home and you're not even near the water. Nope. Yeah. I can't brush my teeth, Mom. <laughs> the shark will swim out of the sink and get me. What? That does happen in a movie, by the way. Though. I, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> and ghost shark? Don't even get me started <laughs> yes. on Sharknado. No. No Sharknado. Ghost shark where Watch the shark movie. swims out of the urinal and attacks somebody. <laughs> and it was a cup of water. Yes, the shark swims out of a cup of water yes. and kills somebody. Do it. I think that's a wrap for Jaws. If you have any comments or suggestions of uh, future movies we should do, please right. email us at whatever the email was. <laughs> you don't know the email. I don't remember the email. Kinda true podcast. Kinda true podcast at gmail.com. This has been Lex. And Amber. And Tony. And this has been What Happened Was True. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the flip side. The end. Finn. 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 Yeah, exactly. Finn. <gasps> Brilliant. Yeah.